Welcome, welcome. Good to see all of you here this morning. And if you are a visitor, we hope you'll stay around for a little while and let us get to know you a little better. Who was your hero growing up? I still remember getting Optimus Prime one Christmas day in the 1980s. Perhaps G.I. Joe, or for some of us older adults, Zorro, or the Lone Ranger. Or some other heroes that some people think were just invented. Batman has been around since 1939. Superman superseded him, 1938, Superman in Action Comics. And Spider-Man, one of the new old ones, came about in 1962. So a lot of heroes have been around that have graced movies and comic book pages for ages and ages. And these heroes, the good ones, the better ones, they teach us a great deal. Well, the latest installment in the hero line is known as the Mandalorian. He is the latest in a long line of heroes. If you have Disney+, Plus, you have no doubt seen him and his very cute counterpart, Baby Yoda. And if you don't have Disney+, Plus, you've no doubt seen various memes on Facebook that have had his face on there. This show has everything, basically, for a good story. It has action, it has heart. It has suspense, it has twists and turns. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's a pretty good show because it's basically an old western. And even the music uh, will remind you of some of the older western shows that many of you might have seen. People love this character and his heroic predecessors. Why is that? People have gone basically nuts over a show that comes on uh, once a week for eight weeks, and now regrettably won't be around till November of next year. And people are just dying to see more of it. So why do we like this character and others much like him? What can we learn from the Mandalorian and other heroes that we have long admired? And who are the heroes of the Bible that we can learn from today? Let's look at some facts regarding these heroes these heroes all have symbols. Bruce Wayne chose the bat because it was something he was afraid of, and his new, his, he knew his enemies would be too. Superman's symbol, probably originally meant to be S for Superman, but in the later movies, actually means hope on his planet of Krypton. The Mandalorians have a symbol that you see there in the middle, but then each earns what is called the signet after going through a very specific trial. It's the logo that they fight under. It represents, in some ways, what they stand for, or at least the costumes they wear. And also, whenever they have their logos, as Zorro, you know, when Zorro conquered an enemy, he would scratch a Z somewhere. So you know that the person has been around. And these symbols actually lead others to act, and then inspire them to follow along the hero, and then hopefully to do the right thing. Jesus' symbol is a banner, a banner of love. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 4 says, He has brought me to his banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Not a specific literal banner, but the language here refers to a banner that was used in biblical times even on through medieval ages. A banner marked that a king had dominion over an area. 
this king would charge forth with his banner over him in a war, and it showed his people that he was near. Love is this way for the Christian. Because whenever you show love to other people, whenever you have that symbol of love, not an actual symbol, but whenever you show love to others, they want to act. They want more of what you have. And you show them, actually, who it is that you stand for. John chapter 13 and verse 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this really does stand out. The symbols I showed you a moment ago, they stand out from the villains and from the regular people. Our love for others, our love for mankind should do the same. Whenever you're at work, whenever you are at school, your love as a Christian should reach out, should permeate those around you. And that whenever you walk into a room or when somebody asks you a question, love should be that banner that goes forth and should comfort people. It should encourage people to act and to want to know more about who Jesus is, the one that you follow. Another symbol that we see quite often, of course, is the cross. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now here Paul was writing to the Galatian church and they were having an issue here where the Jews were trying to bring up stuff from the old law and show people, hey, we've still got to follow some of this stuff. But Paul says, hang on, we're not doing that stuff anymore. The old law has been done away with. We follow the new law that started when Christ died on the cross. But the reference I want you to see here is that some people were being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Here it was the Jews, the new Jewish Christians, who were trying to keep alive their old ways but Paul is saying here, hey, there's going to be some who are persecuted for the cross. Philippians 3 and verse 18 says, For many walk, and of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Galatians and Philippians may have been written as much as 25 years after Jesus' death, and people still hang on to this image. It is not something that we should worship. It is not something that has to be hung up or, or, or shown for us to be able to worship. But it does represent a pivotal moment in history, to say the least. A pivotal moment that allows all of us to have remission of sins, to have forgiveness of sins, because Christ died on the cross. And it is something that should be remembered. It is something that should be honored. But what else about these heroes? These heroes have a purpose. A villain oftentimes seeks to serve himself, such as the Joker, Lex Luthor, and even Johnny from Cobra Kai. All of them serve themselves. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, however, and see it is how a modern-day hero should be acting, or actually how villains acted in these times. 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, 1 John 3, 10. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Isn't that how heroes and villains work? 
When you see a villain, if he's got a purple suit on and a green tie, you know he's probably a bad guy. But then the hero shows up and he's doing something a little differently. So the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil, the heroes versus the villains, is obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. There's that banner again. There's that symbol again, that symbol of love that we should all be taking forth. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That's how you know the difference. It's pretty obvious on TV, you know who the villain is, the bad music starts playing and he laughs a little bit. And the hero, it's always a, a loud, you know, uh, honorable music. But here we know the difference between Christians and those who serve Satan because of the love that we have for one another. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So these heroes that we admire today, heroes of biblical times, the hero that you can be for Christ, all have a purpose. James 3.14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. If you want to be a hero for Christ, you can't do these things. You can't be bitter against your enemies. You're supposed to love them. You can't go after selfish ambition. 1 John 1.6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The bad guys in the movies and in the comic books, they can't be one way and then be another way. You've got to serve Christ. You can't Say you are with Christ and walk in the darkness. You can't do that. You're either a villain or a hero, so know what your purpose is as a hero for Christ. The purpose for a hero is typically outside of his own interest. Early on in The Mandalorian, he was just making money. He's a bounty hunter, but then he saw someone in need, and his heart changed. Heroes seek to help other people through a talent or skill. They serve the greater good of the community. They constantly put themselves in harm's way and put the needs of others before their own. Jesus gave himself the ultimate price, which was his purpose. He is a biblical hero. He is one that we should follow as an example. Giving ourselves to others, giving love to other people, so that they see a difference, and we're seen as a hero, not as a villain. Where did Jesus' purpose come from? Well, Jesus followed his Father, and so should we. Jesus looked beyond himself, and how did he do that? John chapter 5 and verse 30, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Don't you think that all of the superheroes we mentioned earlier, that one way or another they could have earned money by doing what they did, by the talents they had? Jesus, I wonder if that was one of the temptations he faced. You know, I wouldn't have to walk around here and sleep on the ground everywhere I went if I started making money off of these miracles that I'm doing. I wonder if that was a temptation that he faced. He certainly said no against that, of course. So what drives you? What is your purpose? Is it love or is it selfish ambition? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 says, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. We have to know what our purpose is. And God's purpose doesn't say serve yourself. God's purpose says serve other people. And that's how you should be living. That's why you should be living. That's, that's your every motivation is to look to others and to say, how can I love this person better and not have anger in my heart towards them, not have jealousy in my heart towards them, but rather have love. Because you can't say you're with Christ and walk in the darkness. And as this verse references, you can't say, hey, I know who God is, so I'm good, I'm going to heaven. That's not going to be the case for many people. So these heroes have a purpose. These heroes also have principles. What are your guiding principles? Each of the heroes that we talked about earlier has rules that he follows. Batman doesn't kill people to meet his goals. Many of the others try not to. Superman, which if you look deeply into it, strongly parallels the story of Jesus. He wants to save mankind in the conflict. The Lone Ranger and Spider-Man work to help those who cannot help themselves. And we like it about these characters. It makes their jobs more difficult sometimes, but when they follow their principles, it is something to be admired. The Mandalorian, when faced with a difficult decision, will quote one of their principles. This is the way. So when faced with a difficult circumstance, when faced with something that is self-serving or the right thing that they should do, they'll go back to their principle. This is the way. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That is a principle that we must follow. If you're not happy on this earth, are you following the principles that you adhere to? Are you following the principles that you should be following? Because it's in that, in that life of Jesus, that we find the way that we are to follow. It's in the example that he showed us that we are able to have enriching lives on this earth. And that is something that people will see in you and they will admire. Because it takes discipline to stand by one's beliefs. And that's something that, that we love to see. Wow, he didn't do the easy thing in the show, in the comic. He did the hard thing. He did the difficult thing. And people can admire that in you as well. If you follow the way of Christ. So what are your guiding principles? What you see online I'm so amazed by some people who have lived a very short time on this earth and not read too many books, but they seem to know everything, don't they? Not studying ethics, not studying scriptures. When you don't have principles to follow, you don't believe in anything, the evil of the world will influence you because it's the easy way. It's the way that you go down a bad path. It's the way that you get what you want through selfish desires and ambitions. Ephesians 4 and verse 14 says, We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Because there's a lot of deceitful people out there who want to take your heart, who want to take your money, who care nothing about the state of your eternal soul. They just want you to buy into what they're saying. 
Proverbs 12 and verse 26 says, The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Who is our way? Our way is Christ, remember? Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you believe in, what you espouse to, what you say, where does it come from? I hope it comes from Scripture. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Those things that will guide you in life so that you might have a wonderful life on this earth and a home in heaven someday. Well, what would happen to our heroes? Imagine your favorite story where the hero lost or went against his principles. In a very lesser-known version of Batman, he pulls out a gun one time, and that's all that he does. Gives the job over to somebody else called Batman Beyond. Goes on to do that because he knew he had gone too weak and violated his principles, so he takes another path. Well, if Batman went against his principles and kept on doing that, he would be no better than the Joker. Superman could destroy and take over everything that he wanted. The Lone Ranger, the Old West, would have gone into disrepair, and the galaxy would be taken over by the Empire again if the Mandalorian didn't act on his principles. Well, if Christians do not act, a pure life on this earth will not be possible, and souls will be lost for eternity, maybe even including your own. These should be our principles. The psalmist wrote in 119 verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Whenever you follow principles, whenever you have principles, people will see you as a champion. They will see you as a hero because you say no to certain things and you do certain things that bring you closer to the way, to the way of Christ. Matthew 24 and verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. A lot of people try to say that the Bible is just an antiquated book. You shouldn't follow it anymore. Well, his word is not going to pass away. Some people will fall away. A lot of people will not follow it. I hope that's not you. I hope you're following it. I hope it's part of your guiding principles of life. Because his word will never, will never pass away. And it is something that we should all be using in our lives daily. These heroes oftentimes have challenges to overcome. These heroes have a past that haunts them, a mistake or an injustice that motivates them. Spider-Man is trying to follow through with the last thing Uncle Ben told him. With great power comes great responsibility. Batman is trying to save the city that basically killed his parents. And the Mandalorian empathizes with baby Yoda. He says, I've been there. I've been the lost child. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else. Many of us in our lives daily try to correct mistakes we have made because something haunts us. And we start to stay away from relationships or family. We try to stay away from, from other things and to try to correct it. Or maybe we overcompensate in one way or another, because something haunts us. Let's look at how Paul dealt with what haunted him. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is oftentimes considered a hero of the faith, of course. And we can see how his life, his early life, his early days, haunted him and maybe even motivated him a great deal. 
to be the champion, to be the hero for Christ that he was. 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. You see, a lot of our heroes were just normal people. Self-serving individuals. Aliens from another planet. They were all something else before they became the hero that they were. And Paul says, look, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor. He's a Christian now, preaching to others about Christ. But he was, had a violent past. I'm not sure we're able to imagine the violence that he wrought upon many people. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. All of these things that I was, all these things that I did, Christ Jesus came to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Some of your translations may say that he was the, the chief of sinners. Don't you think that when Paul saw the Christians he was trying to reach in his latter days, after he was Saul, now he was Paul preaching Christ, don't you think that whenever he looked into their eyes of the very Christians that he worked to so diligently kill, he thought, I killed these people once upon a time. I've killed them. Don't you think that was a burden that he had to bear? Most assuredly. But how did he deal with it? How did he cope with this? Paul focused on being justified by Christ. Paul knew that he could not do enough to cover up what he had done. What he had done. But because of the grace, but because of the mercy of Christ, he could be forgiven of those past sins. And without that, he couldn't be who he was. He couldn't be the champion, the hero for Christ, without depending on him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Such were some of you, but you were washed. He's talking to the Corinthian church about being sinners. Some of you were that way, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. I want to focus on that word in a moment. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God, Paul focused on the forgiveness of Christ. Not on his sins, not on what he had done, but on the power that he had through Jesus to reach other people. Because he was no longer ignorant. He had this new superpower, if you will, to reach other people for Christ so that he might affect them for eternity. What's the word justified mean? We talk about this sometimes. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's how Paul was living. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's a beautiful thing. So many of our heroes that we read about in Scripture even and in modern day, they carry a burden around with them, that burden of sin, some wrongs that they had done. And you don't have to carry that around anymore. The issues our modern day heroes face, they never really subside. And it serves as their motivation. Sometimes that's a good thing. You know, you've been forgiven of sins, but you don't always forget about the mistakes or the consequences. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, talks about Paul's thorn in the flesh. There's a lot of debate over what his thorn in the flesh was. He doesn't, doesn't talk about it specifically. Let's see what Paul says as he 
thinks about his life for Christ. He doesn't have it easy. It wasn't as though as he was bestowed with some sort of power that allowed him to forget about every wrong he had ever done. He still had to carry that to some degree. And sometimes I wonder if maybe his thorn in the flesh was, was that. Was that he saw the people he once tormented that he was now trying to save. I wonder if that was his thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. In other words, it kept him humble. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He wants to get rid of this thorn in the flesh. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And that is the power that each Christian has this morning. To believe in Christ, to believe in His salvation, to believe in His way. To believe in His way of life, that it works for you. And you want other people to know that through that banner of love that you carry around. I hope that you're telling others and that you're showing others what Christ has done for you. Because you are a disciple of His. You are a hero of His. And by following the principles, by following the purpose of Christ, by overcoming obstacles, you can be a marvelous hero for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian this morning and you want to come into contact with the blood of Christ for the forgiveness, for the remission of your sins, as the New Testament states, I pray that you'll come forward this morning. We can assist you in being baptized. Or if you are a Christian and have fallen away and you've not been faithful, come forward now and we can pray that those sins might be forgiven as well. Won't you come as we stand and sing?